Hey, Mike, I feel like we're being watched. Of course you are. Hi, Atlanta. I guess that would explain my feeling. So, Stephen, what horrible thing do you have planned for our lovely guests? What, what, hor- what abject horror do you want to subject them to today? I feel like I've gotten a bad rap of picking topics about death and suffering. You do pick them, though. I That's do. That's where the rap comes from. <laughs> so I was looking back through our archives, and I thought, what could we do? We're in Atlanta. So I thought, we'll do an episode on Atlantis. But that Wikipedia article was 900 pages long. And that's really hard to condense. And it's only worth it for the joke of, oh, but you spell it wrong. And then you're stuck with a topic no one cares about. (laughs) So I was looking through the archives, and I came across episode 25, which I know all of you just know by heart. Mm -hmm. But we talked about three weird sports, and I thought we could add to that list today. Yeah, one of them last time was race walking, which is an image that I think about a lot. Like, it's kind of like really weird walking where all of your limbs move way faster than they should, but the body, it's very strange. It's super weird. But it's in a very efficient way to travel. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, those videos are very upsetting. upsetting. But we're not, we're not here to relive that horror. We have three new sports to boggle the minds of our listeners and our lovely guests. So let's start with extreme ironing. I, I feel like... If you're going to put extreme... You have to say it like extreme. Extreme. Ironing. Uh, If you're going to put extreme in the name of your sport, I expect real danger. I want like skateboards or off-road bikes or snowboarding or something like that to be somehow involved. A half pipe, ironing on a half pipe, that kind of thing. That's what I want. That does seem incredibly dangerous (laughs) now that you say it out loud. So this does lack some of that flashy gear of other extreme sports could be dangerous so here's how it works people take ironing boards to remote locations and they iron their clothes that's literally the entire sport (laughs) according to a group that i did not know exists but now i want to join the extreme ironing burrow extreme ironing is the and i'm quoting latest danger sport (laughs) that combines the thrills of an extreme outdoor activity with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. The, like, is this actually a sport? I feel like combining your chores with like sightseeing or something, <laughs> like, it doesn't really feel like a sport. I think that debate is part of the reason people like it so much. They call themselves ironists, by the way, which is a word I really struggle to say, ironists. They've taken their laundry to places like Antarctica. One guy did some ironing in the middle of a highway. It seems incredibly (laughs) stupid. And under the surface of a frozen lake. Nah, I have a lot of issues with this. Okay. Because one, irons don't work underwater. And two, what's the point? Like, you can't iron something underwater. You can't do that. Citation needed. I guess so. (laughs) Extreme ironing was invented by Tony Hyam in 1980 in merry old England. Like many things in England. (laughs) This was, well, I guess like a lot of things that a lot of English people would do. This sport was kind of created to mock someone. So Tony Hyam's brother-in-law liked to iron his clothes so much that when they went on camping trips as a family, he would iron whilst camping. That's not cool. 
It's just, you know, it's just like a thing, I guess, you could do. It's, you just want to look like. really good for when you're attacked by a bear. Yeah, exactly. So, like any good brother would, Tony started to mock his sibling by ironing in places like at mountain lookouts <laughs> and in airports, <laughs> taking pictures and sending them to him. I'll show him. <laughs> I need to dispute your version of history. Okay. Again. Mm-hmm. Keeps coming up on the show. Some lay this marvel of human ability at the feet of a man named Phil Shaw who in 1997 combined his ironing with a rock climbing excursion, earning the nickname Steam. I can't tell if that's super cool or super lame. I think we'll just let listeners decide on their own about what they think about that. The UK's Channel 4 produced a documentary named Extreme Ironing, Pressing for Victory. (laughs) (laughs) So good. The audience did not seem to enjoy that as much as I did. (laughs) Lots of groaning. Yeah. Anyways, it drew much attention to the sport, just like we are today. By the way, this sport has held at least one world championship event. Of course. It's impressive. Uh, Yeah. Let's talk about some numbers. The world altitude record for the sport is 5,440 meters above sea level, held by John Roberts and Ben Gibbons, who ironed a Union Jack above Everest Base Camp. That's that's pretty dedicated. I feel like this sport is completely dedicated to what would make a good picture. Millennials, right? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) In March of 2008, a team of 72 divers simultaneously ironing underwater, set a new world record for the number of people ironing underwater at once. That record was quickly shattered. Oh, no. Okay. As a group confirmed of 86 divers ironing within a 10-minute period in January of 2009, in March 2011, it was broken again by a group of 173. Who knew this sport was so cutthroat? Exactly. Especially when it comes to diving. There's something about... I'm very, very (laughs) confused by this. In 2012, our old friend Steam came out of retirement to take on a new challenge and run the Hastings Half Marathon, wearing an ironing board, pressing garments along the way. He's a true hero, Mike. He surely is. We all need to think about him at home. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Extreme ironing is very fun, but we should talk about something of a little more speed. Now you're talking. This feels much more American, this one. Well, as we'll see, it's not. <laughs> let's talk about lawnmower racing, which is pretty much exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's very correct. It is a form of motorsport in which drivers race modified riding lawnmowers. Mercifully, though, they remove the spinning blades. Thank God. It would be an absolute bloodbath. Can you imagine? You know that scene in Mad Men with the riding lawnmower in the office? Yes. It's like that. It would be just like that. But everywhere. Everywhere. And everyone. Uh, It would have been a lot more extreme. We could have given it extreme. It could have been extreme. Extreme. Maybe there's like an extreme class where they leave the blades on. There 100% is. There has to be. This sport started about the same time in the U.S. as well as the U.K., the British Lawnmower Racing Association, which we will refer to as BUMRA, was, <laughs> was formed in 1973 by rally co-driver Jim Gavin, who thought that everyone should be able to become a racing driver. Jim, you're wrong, Jim. Yeah, that's not a dream that everyone should have. Nope. <laughs> 
Since then, the sport has only grown in the UK, <laughs> just like the yards, I guess, they're not mowing, with many local groups organizing events and races, usually in pre-mowed fields, which is ironic to me. Mm-hmm. And these races are both sprint and endurance-based, so you have some... Some variation. The famous, uh, the most famous UK race is called the Bumrah, a 12-hour endurance race where races come from around the world. But England has won every single race, champions, until 2018. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So the country the race is in Mm -hmm. always wins. It's fine. It feels... It's fine. That feels like there's something going on. You're just not sending good enough people. Wow. Uh, wow. Because until 2018, it was won by a team from Luxembourg. So the current distance record is, because uh, it's an endurance race, 12 hours um, is how long somebody sat riding a lawnmower. They went 354 and a half miles in that time. Holy moly. I like to think they just start and go. I'm sure there's a, there's a circuit. No, there's a, a circuit line, for sure. And they just go. <laughs> Here in the U.S., Indiana's 12-mile 500, which is a very confusing race name. I hate that By name. the way. I hate it so much. What's the 500? I don't know. It occurs every 4th of July when we celebrate our independence from your country. <laughs> it consists of a 15-mile... You know 16- nobody in the U.K. cares about that, right? <laughs> like, it's not... The 4th of July isn't like a day of mourning. We're, like, completely fine. It just goes by. Trying so hard not to make a Brexit joke. Yeah, yeah I know. Gonna... You can't make them because it changes every day by the time the episode comes out. Oh, my God. Out. What if y'all leave on the 4th of July? I'm going to make a motion to Parliament. <laughs> right. Back on track. Let's come on back. back. Let's come on back. Wind it back. So the Indiana 12-mile 500. Hate ca- it. It consists of a 15-mile, 60-lap course So that's worse. Why is it 12-mile? Let me get through the paragraph. It's the 12-mile 500 consists of a 15-mile, 60-lap course. There is four numbers. None of them mean anything. I have two more numbers about this race. Okay. There is a maximum of 33 entrants. I don't know why that's true. (laughs) Why Why is that an odd number? To qualify, just to qualify, you have to be able to hit 30 miles an hour on your lawnmower. That's terrifying. I don't like that. <laughs> I feel like there aren't great center of gravities on a lawnmower. That's too fast. Well, you have a helmet, so you're probably fine. Yeah, I guess. It's very reckless. Uh, I guess I understand people love it. Like It seems like it would be pretty exhilarating. Of course, Indiana doesn't have a monopoly on this. There's races all over the country and beyond. Teaching us that if it has wheels and an engine, Americans will try to race it. That was why I just assumed it was a uniquely American sport. I would never have guessed that there was part of it that came from the UK. We do have one more interesting sport to talk about after I thank Backblaze for their support of this episode. Uh, They are the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 a month. Um, I have had some situations in my life where I have caused some just horrific data loss. Uh, My favorite story was a couple of weeks before me and Steven started our company. We were in the midst of getting things ready, and I dumped about a pint of cola into my laptop. Straight Uh, in. Straight in. 
It's a terrible time to uh, destroy a computer. There are files I know I lost from that laptop that I will never know I've lost them. They're just gone forever, and that's because I wasn't using Backblaze then. But I am now, and you can too, because you can sign up for a 15-day free trial with no credit card required. Just go to backblaze.com slash ungenius. Backblaze have backed up 750 petabytes of data and counting. That is equivalent of 750 million gigabytes, which is a lot of gigabytes. These guys really know what they're doing. And Backblaze have restored over 35 billion files. That's a lot of save projects, assignments, and family photo albums. And having backup means that you have total peace of mind. It's the difference between a data disaster costing you hours upon hours of work and just having a hard drive shipped to you, which is what they will do. Avoid that looming data disaster. Go to backblaze.com slash ungenius for your unrestricted free trial and to let them know that you heard about them on this show. That is backblaze.com slash ungenius. Thank you to Backblaze for supporting us from countless data disasters and for their support of this show and Relay FM. We have one last sport to cover. That is right. Let me tell you a little bit about egg tapping. Is it, again, how it sounds? It won't take long for me to describe it. You have two participants, each holding a hard-boiled egg. One taps the egg of the other participant with their own egg. You want to break their egg without breaking your egg. I wrote that, and I'm confused by this. So you I, have an egg. I have an egg. I have an egg. And we're going to hit them. Yep. Uh, and I want to break yours, but not break mine. Yes. Got it. This is like conkers. Oh, that's relevant to everybody. Conkers? Should you know what conkers? No. no. Okay, so it's like a much more timid version of conkers. So it's uh, not a hard-boiled egg? It's like a... It's a horse chestnut. This is a family-friendly show. Do you know what a horse chestnut is? <laughs> we're not going to go any further here. What a hot... Didn't... Is that not cool? What are they called in America? I don't know what you're saying. They fall out of a tree. They're in like a little spiky like casing. Like a gumball. No, no. They, no. no gumballs don't come from trees. <laughs> they fall... Not like g- the candy. We need to keep going. Oh, wait. You call... No, I need to we tell need, you No, no. We need to They're called keep, gumballs? We just need to keep going. So it's like a little thing. It's like in a green casing with some spikes on it. And it's like a brown... Like it looks like a big seed. So basically in England, you take those, you put them in vinegar... You soak them in vinegar overnight. Then you take a corkscrew. Well, actually, at what point do you put them in the oven? Oh, after this point. You take a corkscrew, and you put a corkscrew through to put a hole through the middle. You put it in the oven to bake it, yeah, to really, harden it. Yeah, really, sounds really simple. Right? Then you put some string. I never said it was simple. You put some string <laughs> through it, tie a knot through the string, and then you, like, dangle it on the string, and you, like, pendulum throw it at somebody else, and the winner is the person who can break the other conquer. It's just like that. Right? You get it now. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Conkers. I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> like other sports, the world of competitive egg tapping has been tainted with cheating. Oh, no. Full of cheating. Rife with bad people. Bad eggs. <laughs> Get out. Eggs that contain cement, alabaster, and even marble cores have been reported. How do you replace the center of an egg with concrete? Great difficulty. <laughs> Just like, it's it's That's upset. ruthless. It is, but I, I kind of appreciate the ingenuity. Uh, but they are tarnishing the good name of the sport. And this sport goes way, way back. Egg tapping was practiced in Europe during medieval times and can be found in records as early as the 14th and 15th centuries. It was observed by a British prisoner of war, Thomas Ambry, in Fredericktown, Maryland, in 1781 during the American Revolutionary War. Which you lost. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Back then, it was common to dye the eggs, which made the outer shells much harder and the game more challenging. I can see that. You want to... 
I mean, egg tapping, like if you just have a weak egg, you lose. And this way, it's like more even and colorful playing field. Yeah, exactly. That's good. The game survives today and is played around the world, often in conjunction with Easter, as the egg is an early Christian symbol. The World Egg Tapping Championships have been held each Easter Sunday at Peter Lee Cricket and Social Club, County Durham in England, since 1983. I have no idea, look, no offense to County Durham. Why is the World Championship of anything being held in that county, Durham? I don't understand. I'm sure there's a reason. Anyway, I played egg tapping. It's what? actually, uh, well, can't, it's not as like a competitive sport, but um, in many parts So you of weren't the world, on like the, the high school egg tapping team? No. You weren't, you weren't that no, good. Conkers, you you that's were junior con- varsity. Conkers. That's a different thing. It, that's very similar. So um, in Romania, like there are many uh, countries of Orthodox faith. This is part of the celebration of easter so i had no idea what was going on when a basket of red eggs were brought to the table everyone picked them up and started hitting them against each other nobody explained to me what was happening but i did actually win so i am undefeated in egg tapping did you pour concrete into yours i cannot say i would like to thank ryan for sending in the extreme ironing article uh, that led to all of this that led to whatever this was for the last 15 minutes uh, I'd like to thank our in-studio audience today. Thank you for coming out to see us. If you want to learn more about these sports, in air quotes, you can head over to the website, relay.fm slash slash 76. While you are there, you can send us an email with your own topic suggestion. The bottom of this Google Doc just goes on forever with suggestions from people, and I love going through them. So if you have your favorite Wikipedia article, please send it in. If that is too old-fashioned for you and your fax machine is broken, I guess you could do it on Twitter. The show is at Ungeniused. You can follow Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E, and you can find me there as I-S-M-H. And until our next horrific ironing accident, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.